0: Earlier this week, I got to go on a hike with my family, actually not too far from here. And as we're hiking, I just kept having this thought that I had no idea this was here. I had to kind of pass by certain things that were beautiful and then get to the top of this hill and the view is just epic. And I'm just realizing, man, I've, I've never been here before. I had no idea that the potential, the beauty that was kind of up in these hills and that same thought came to me this week as um, I was studying. came across Psalm 15, and as I've read through this psalm, I've read through probably dozens of times, and I began to study it, I realized that there's so much more beneath the surface than what you'd first imagine. So I just wanted to share that with you today. Psalm 15 is written by David, who wrote about half of the psalms, and David's life is filled with tons of highs and lows. And because of that, uh, David's poetry is really relatable. No matter what you're going through in your life, there's a psalm that can fit that. And as we're looking at David's life, there's one theme that kind of really uh, follows him his whole life. And it's this theme of desiring to be in the presence of God. And his desire to be in the presence of God is so intense that he actually comes to the point where he wants to build God a temple um, in hopes that the the presence of God would be able to be in something significant. So in 1 Chronicles 17, uh, we see David speak to the the prophet Nathan. He says, why am I living in a house of cedar? while the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, is in a tent. And so Nathan, the prophet, says, do whatever is in your heart. Uh, And then that night, Nathan has a dream, and God's like, hold up. Actually, don't do that. And he begins to give him these instructions where he says, uh, because you're a man of war, because of the bloodshed on your hands, uh, you're not going to build me a temple. But what he does say is that um, in chapter 17, verse 11 says, when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. And one of your own sons, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him. As he took it away from your predecessor, I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Now, reading these words, uh, um, our kind of inkling is just to be like, "Oh, yeah, Solomon. Solomon, his son, is the one who built the temple." But if you pay attention to the wording here in Chronicles, it doesn't say your son; it says your offspring, one of your sons. And then he starts to say, "This—he'll be my son. He'll be my father." And although we we see Solomon build a physical temple, we also see that the desire in David's heart to establish the presence of God would actually be fulfilled by an offspring of David known as Jesus Christ. So I want us to have that in mind when we read Psalm 15. And it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest and who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things... Will never be shaken. It was the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer who uh, really began to look at Psalm 15 as a messianic psalm. And David asks this question who can dwell in the house of the Lord? Who has the ability? to fully be in the presence of God and then in his own admission he, that's not him there's his life hasn't led him to have that ability yet he starts writing about this is the kind of person and what we see is in this list that's being described is we see a description not just of a righteous man but ultimately of the perfect man Jesus Christ Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that Jesus Christ himself has offered the perfect worship by perfecting every prescribed sacrifice in his own voluntary and sinless sacrifice. For us, there remains only the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and prayers, hymns, and a life lived according to God's commands. The author of Hebrews chapter four picks up on this idea of of Jesus being our high priest. He's the one who not only created the ability to be in the presence of God, he's now the mediator between this. And so Psalm 15 is this beautiful question, who gets to dwell in the house of the Lord? Well, it's the righteous person, which is ultimately pointing to Jesus, which kind of begs the question, why is this important? Why is it important to look at the archetype of David, the man after God's own heart, and the longing he had for the presence of God? And yet this unfulfilled sense in his own life of, man, that'll never fully be me. There has to be someone else to do it. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this gives us great hope. The reason being is that it talks about at the end of Psalm 115, this idea that whoever does these things, and again, referring to Jesus will never be shaken. And what's such good news for us is because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has made a way for us to encounter the presence of God, we get to have this assuredness, this anchoring of the soul because of what He has done. We no longer have to worry about our performance or our morality um, or our self-righteousness or our willpower to get us into relationship in the presence of God, we have something way more secure than that, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. And this is why at the beginning of the church, Peter has this unbelievable sermon in front of 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. And this is what he says. He references David's psalm. And he says, But God raised him, meaning Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. I love how... The Psalms constantly are pointing to a Messiah who would show up hundreds of years later. And how the Jews of Jesus' day, the followers of Jesus picked up on this and realized that all of these longings, all of these promises were now fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And what that means for us is that our body will rest in hope that our heart is glad and that our tongue can rejoice. Um, so here's my encouragement to you based on, on Psalm 15. Is that in moments when we want to evaluate our, our own righteousness, we want to evaluate our own sense of, am I am, how am I doing in my own pursuit of God, my own walk with God? Um, although those are, those are fine questions to ask, for us to remember that, All of those things first come from a place that we already belong, that Jesus has made a way. And because of that, we get to rest. We get to actually live out our discipleship to Jesus from a place of assuredness, not of us trying to perform our way into right relationship with God, not trying to Um, work our way uh, to build something for God, but rather recognizing that the work of Jesus is complete. And and again, my, my hope is that whatever in your life creates a sense of stress or striving. If I just worked harder, if I did this, if I had this set up, we have this gift of rest in Jesus Because He's made a way, He has created the opportunity to rest in the presence of God. And I would just invite you this week to do the same thing. What are some different patterns that you can set up to make sure that you are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ rather than relying on our own inability to try and do it? So that might look like setting your alarm a little bit earlier spending some time in the quiet and the stillness of what, um, of just God's presence. Maybe that looks like for you giving yourself a little bit extra time to go on a walk and experience the goodness of God and His creation. Maybe that looks like for you meditating on the scriptures, reading through the gospels and being reminded that we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ And as our world continues to shift and change around us, our faith should become more and more precious to us because we have a gift that everyone's longing for and that's the gift of peace and security that only came because Jesus provided that for us. And my hope is that you rest in that hope today. Let me just go ahead and pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that as David looked towards this prophetic hope, we now get to live in the midst of it. Lord, the finished work of your death and resurrection. God, that we now have full access to you, Lord Jesus. The veil's been torn. And so that means our soul can find rest. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to... Uh, have this sense of performance-based faith or religion. or we choose to rest in you. And God, I pray that that would filter into every other area of our life, Lord Jesus, that may feel uncertain or stressful. God, we choose to have our rest and hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.